0: The first time was when I went to Hawaii with Alan Cohen for my first coach training and I fell in love with myself and I found my heart for the first time. Uh, and I remember I didn't want to leave the Island because I didn't want to go back to the real world. I was still a high tech sales guy and uh, I didn't want to go back to hating myself. I want, I never wanted to lose my heart. So before I left Hawaii, I said, uh, I will never, ever, ever lose my heart again.
1: That was Mark Silverman and this Is the Recovery
0: Revolution.
1: It's time for the Recovery Revolution podcast, and it is unlike any recovery podcast you will ever experience. This is next level recovery transformation featuring the most influential minds in addiction, recovery, sobriety, mindset, and entrepreneurship. This podcast will revolutionize the way you look, feel, and talk about recovery. This is The Recovery Revolution. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Recovery Revolution. And today we have Mark Silverman joining us on the show. Mark is the host of the Mastering Midlife podcast and a high-tech executive life coach. And on this episode, there is a lot of banter, a lot of back and forth, a lot of coaching talk. But we also dive into Mark's journey into recovery. Mark is a person in long-term recovery, and his journey out of addiction is incredibly powerful. Today, market's raw, open and vulnerable. So let's dive into Mark's story, but first, a quick message from our sponsors. We are all addicted to something: money, success, food, drugs, alcohol and even our problems. These addictions hold us back and prevent us from living a life of happiness, fulfillment and joy. My name is Omar Pinto, and I'm a life transformation coach, addiction recovery specialist, and lifestyle entrepreneur. I help people all over the world transform their lives every single day. So if you want to find out what's holding you back from living a life of fulfillment, success, and happiness, go to www.omarpinto.com and schedule a free consultation with me today. It's time to transform your life. High above the hilltops of one of the most beautiful places on Earth, overlooking the Pacific Ocean as far as the eye can see and surrounded by thousands of acres of tropical rainforest hills and valleys, you will find the luxurious five-star resort Casa Chameleon in the world's most epic vacation destination, Costa Rica. In one of the most breathtaking settings in the world, Two renowned coaches, The Recovery Revolution's Omar Pinto and Mike Drop Studio Productions' Rosh Lowe will be taking you on a four-day total immersion coaching experience. Join us September 12th, 2019 to Monday, September 16th in this all-inclusive resort setting that will allow you to break free from your past, build emotional resilience, learn to tell your story. Transform limiting beliefs, commune with nature, meditate, do yoga, all in a luxurious five-star setting that will absolutely blow your mind. To get your tickets to this event, go to omarpinto.com forward slash Costa Rica 2019 and get ready for the life transformation event of your life. Today's episode is brought to you by the RRC, the Recovery Revolution Community. The RRC is our private recovery membership group that features online meetings, online support, accountability, peer-to-peer recovery support and coaching. The Recovery Revolution is more than just a podcast. It is a support network helping thousands of people all over the world. So for more information about the Recovery Revolution podcast or how you can join the RRC, then go to omarpinto.com and get plugged into the Recovery Revolution today. And if you haven't done so already, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. It's the best way to show your support for the podcast. Hey, Mark, thanks for joining us. Omar, thank you for having me. I am excited to have you on the show, brother. How you feeling?
0: I'm feeling really good. You know, you and I, when every time we talk, we just keep going. So we might as well press record, right?
1: <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, there's no reason to delay because, like, yeah, exactly. So like we could go anywhere. <laughs> All right, you're you're driving, man. <laughs> All right, thank you. I appreciate the confidence. All right, let's do this. All right, so folks, today we have Mark J. Silverman joining us on the show. Mark is the host of the Mastering Midlife podcast, a high-tech executive life coach, speaker, best-selling author. He believes that every human being has the ability to be successful, happy, and fulfilled. That becoming more of who you are instead of what you think you need to be will get you further in business, in your relationships, and in life. Sound about right, Mark? That That sounds about right. All right. So Mark and I actually have a lot in common. Uh, we, we met uh, through our, our friend, Ellie Nash, and um, he put us together because we have you know, very similar mindsets and ideas. We come from entirely different places, but where we're going is, is very similar. Um, and it's, about, it's, this, it's this concept, it's this idea of success, happiness, fulfillment, and where that comes from. Right, so um, I, I definitely want to do a deep dive in all of that. But first, Mark, please uh, tell us a little bit about what your normal daily routine looks like.
0: Wow, my normal daily routine is uh, starts at about five or five thirty, uh, unless it starts at three o'clock when my dog kicks me off the bed uh, because I don't have the heart to kick him back off the bed. Uh, but usually five or five thirty, uh, and I have my coffee meditation. So I, the coffee's ready, and I bring it up to my cushion and my books and my journaling and my meditation cushion. And I start my day then. So it starts with uh, uh, the meditation and, and all, the, all the contemplative work that I, that I aspire to. And uh, then it goes to exercise, uh, breakfast if I'm not on a keto fast, uh, and uh, then my first client whenever that is.
1: So the keto fast, interesting. Uh, how does that work? So that's that's the bulletproof coffee where you have bulletproof coffee in the
0: in the morning and you don't eat until noon or two o'clock, and you only eat for you know six or four hours during a day. Okay. And w- this podcast this podcast is not going to be about that because I do it poorly, <laughs> so nobody should follow my advice.
1: <laughs> I just want tips. Okay, because yeah. I love to do the bulletproof coffee, but I do bulletproof coffee with breakfast. So I'm like, okay, so maybe and you don't need to. Once you've had the bulletproof coffee, you're good to go for a while.
0: You're good to go for the, for the rest of the morning.
1: Okay, so nothing's perfect, but when you do it, when, when, you're succe- when you successfully accomplish your mission, you have the bulletproof coffee in the morning, and then you don't eat until lunch.
0: That's when that when I do that. Yes. So okay. the, 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 the more important thing for me is when I'm eating the way I know my body wants me to eat, mm-hmm. whether it's fasting, whether it's just clean food, uh, everything changes for me because I'm I'm s- I'm so affected by what I put in my body.
1: OK, no. And I understand that. I get that. Um, so what time do you stop eating at night for this? Roughly.
0: I do, oh usually I usually try and have my meal by seven seven thirty the latest. My partner likes to eat a little later, so I I have a, a little bit of trouble regulating that since uh, I get cooked for and fed really well. So I shut up and eat.
1: <laughs> as you should, as right? absolutely yeah no I would be doing this. I, I'm on the gravy train. I'm all about it. So bulletproof coffee and then lunchtime. time. Um, what kind of results have you seen from that? Curious. I am. I am.
0: I see varied results because I'm all over the place. You know, okay. I I would I would call myself an enlightened, uh, spiritual human being and uh, and free of so many things. And you and I talk about a lot about addiction. Uh, the food thing has really been the most difficult for me to to deal with. So keeping my weight down fifty you know i'm going to be fifty seven years old keeping my weight down keeping keeping the food as clean as possible is always a uh, is always a challenge for me. There is a pint of ben and jerry 's fish food in my freezer because my partner brought bought it for my son last night who didn 't eat it, but it's been talking to me all day you know and i have to I, I deal with that all day, and that's the one thing that I really have not been able to shake is this if I touch sugar if I touch bread foods that are not good for me that make my hands so that I, they can't work i'm off to the races and i have i'm still vexed by that why i have not been able to bring consciousness to that and today i ate completely clean and perfectly fine so today i would call myself conscious so what happens to your hands uh they stop working i, I learned this years ago Uh, I was, about 10 years ago, I was bloated, and my knees hurt, and my hands hurt, and my elbows hurt, and uh, I was lethargic and foggy, and I went to a naturopath, and he cut out all grains, and all dairy, and all sugar, and I dropped 14 pounds in like three weeks, and my hands started working again, because I wasn't able to type, and the pain in my body went away, so... Inflammation. Uh, those, those are my indicat- those those are my indicators.
1: So a heightened sense of inflammation.
0: V- very much so. Okay. Very much
1: so. Okay. I get all that. I get all that. That was uh, that was happening to me a lot, but also when I was in a tremendous amount of stress and my adrenal glands mm. just got shot. And I was I puffed up like a like one of those puffer fishes, right? It was right. it was like ridiculous. All right, cool. Lo- uh, love the insight. Tell us a little bit about what your spiritual condition looks like. What's your conscious contact with your higher power look like?
0: Uh, a little different than most people would say, because I am my I am my higher power. I am my conscious contact. Uh, I know the difference between Mark and who I really am. So I really, it's, it's hard to explain when I see through the facade of, you know, Who's walking around? Who's talking? Who's in relationship, and uh, and who who I really am, and what world I really live in.
1: Okay, that was a little that was a little tricky there, Mark. So i al- to
0: It's always tricky when we talk tricky. about anything spiritual <laughs> and higher power because it's uh, it's not something that really can be talked about in a succinct way.
1: Is it? Is it some sort of, I guess you could say, uh, intuition? Is it conch- outer outer consciousness? Is it, you oh, know? Oh, so
0: we're really going to go here. Okay. so I'm we're just really curious. Go- I'm just curious. So here's, what I, so here's what I know. Here's what I know. Uh, sometime, I think about a year ago, I was sitting on my cushion uh, doing some meditation, and uh, I realized that uh, Mark didn't exist. I realized that I had spent my whole entire life building, defending, creating this entity called Mark. And everything about him was and is uh, an amalgamation of uh, my my thoughts, my beliefs, my conditioning, my upbringing, uh, my physiology, whatever ancestral memories there are, and that I am none of those. And it all just faded away. It all just melted away. And I had a few days of just seeing beyond now it's back and I'm I'm Mark again and I you know I'm a father and I'm a I'm a you know partner and I and I'm an executive coach and I'm all those things but I also know that those are just the things that are made up for this plane
1: <laughs> well I mean I had this I had this uh, interview with um, Drew Canole. Drew Drew Canole is the founder of uh, Fit for Life TV I am completely full of all his foods, <laughs> okay, all right, so I mean, it would make sense that you would okay so you know all about Organify anyway, he talks about this being the meat suit, yes, right, and so you know this is just the vessel the the, the vehicle right it's not uh spiritually who we are or you know what that whatever that that uh, that being is inside of us is is not this meat suit and it's not what happened to us and it's not um well i I think to a certain degree it's got to be all of it it's got to be all of it 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 it, it's all is one i mean all these experiences that we have uh make us up into who we are right Mm -hmm. so there's there's a part of our past experiences that allow us to help others to grow uh, to experience life on 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 a very different level Um, so I, I think that, and that's why I asked the question because there is a resistance to the idea of spirituality for many of us, just the way it was presented as children. So it's the dogma behind it. It's the structure behind it. It's the guilt behind it. It's the, um, control behind it as opposed to something that is inherent for all of us is, is a, I guess, a conscious contact of some sort, um, sure. you know, and that, and for you, that's the conscious contact with you, your, the, the, your spirit realm.
0: Yes. I guess. And, and, you know, and it, I'll take it a step further, you know, to the, to the new age movement, the spirit, the spirituality that is uh, inherent in, in my profession and in the people that I hang with uh, part of, part of the thing that melted away from me. And, and was really a, a tough one is, is the, is the identity of being this loving guy of being this altruistic guy of being a hard guy. I, you know, I had a lot of pride in that in being seen that way and to let go of that, that even that is an illusion that, uh, that I've made up for myself, a persona that I, that is better than the, and the the drug addict and the alcoholic and the sex addict who preceded it, right? So letting go of all of those things has really been key. Now let's take it even a step further. I also know that I'm still here. I'm on this earth, whatever this earth is. I'm in this, I'm in this dream. I am playing this game. So I play this game as hard and as fun as, and as passionately as I possibly can, because it's the reality that I live in. Right. So that's, that's, that's the dichotomy of uh, the, of the conversation.
1: Well, I think that's the most important element to kind of bring to, to surface here, which is the idea that regardless of what I believe all right. I'm still here in this meat suit with limitations. So food. I can't deal. You know, like there you as, go. As,
0: as, 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 uh, as spiritually, you know, uh, crazily enlightened as I think I might be, I still can't handle the fish food <laughs> in the freezer. Right. And I find the I find the irony and the hystericalness of the whole thing.
1: Love it. Love it. This is this makes you human, Mark. I right. The the ben, the ben and Jerry's makes you who human. It could be that. Could be the 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 universe's way of grounding you. But here's the here's the difference. So you know, I still
0: ha- I still have financial challenges. I still have you know, I have I have weight challenges. I have I have. We were talking about ADD before here, and you know, so I've labeled myself ADD because I have trouble staying on task. And and you know, what the difference now is that. I don't confuse the ADD. I don't confuse my obsession with the fish food ice cream with me. So I'm free. I've stopped. The shame is melted off, and I don't hate myself for not being able to not eat the. It's what Mark is. Mark's an addict. Mark is. Mark is a. Is a pretty much a bit of a mess, right? So I can really laugh at that and love him in that way, which I've never been able to do before, and that's the biggest gift I, I I have gotten. Out of this whole uh, "quote-unquote" spirituality thing is the freedom from hating myself.
1: Brilliant, brilliant answer. Love it. I'm glad we went there. I'm glad it wasn't as painful as either one of us thought it was going to be. So <laughs> let's move into the addiction. So one of the things, and and you know, the I changed my format a while back to encompass all addictions. Like we're addicted to something. Everybody is. Food, sugar, sex, money, success, our identity, and drugs and alcohol. So, what was it that drugs and alcohol ultimately uh, represented in your life? And and you know, how did they control your life? How do they control your life? And um, what were the consequences that you faced
0: before they stopped being fun? Correct. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I I got sober at. I was homeless and uh, drove into Washington, D.C. at 27 years old, 135 pounds, no, 130 pounds uh, at 27 years old, living in my truck. So basically, it took everything from me. Uh, and uh, you know, my brother, my brother helped me get sober. Uh, so I went to AA and NA and found a whole new group of friends. And that's when you know, my, my, my real life started.
1: So what was your drug of choice?
0: Alcohol is totally my drug of choice, although okay. I would say fish food is uh, a close second. Close second? Uh, but no, uh, uh, you know, cocaine, cocaine was, uh, was probably my favorite thing ever, but that took me down really fast, and I was able to quit cocaine and go back to uh, alcohol, which is absolutely my, um, uh, was my favorite. It's been 30, 30 years this
1: September. So tell us a little bit about what that rock bottom moment was for you? What that look like?
0: Uh, it looked like uh, let's see. My mother told me I was supposed to be the first Jewish president, right? I was all potential. Everybody loved me and all that, and I ended up living in my truck and having you know no no education, no you know the only thing I could do was bartend or um, wait tables, but I couldn't even really do those things until uh, until I got sobered up, and I was deeply in debt. And uh, you know it's funny because when I went to my first AA meeting, and uh, they gave me a coin, and on the back it said "To thine own self be true." Kind of, I'm getting choked up. That's weird. Um, I had no idea what that meant. Like I just looked at it. And I said, "To thine own self? What is? I don't know who I am. I don't know what a self is." And that was that's was the start of uh,
1: finding out. The first Jewish president. Yeah, she had high hopes. Yeah, a lot of uh, (laughs) expectations. (laughs) Yes. So, but now you say that, you know, like, when we talk about what was that rock bottom moment for you, and you started with that story. So what does that story mean to you?
0: It means that uh, of all the grandiose things I thought about myself and all the the way people talked about me, Constantly uh, none of it came to fruition. You know it all just came crashing down to me and a little pickup truck that I lived in and uh, and I had nothing left, and I had nothing to offer and uh, it was it was um, it was humbling because it was just there was just nothing left
1: yeah, but I'm curious about this whole thing about being the Jewish president so all this pressure put on you as a child—heavy, heavy, heavy oh, there pressure. Was no,
0: there, was no pre- there was no pressure. There was no pressure. Nobody ever pressured me to do anything. They just, they just talked a big game. Uh, so I, I did not get pressured for school. I did not get pre- I was basically a latchkey kid, and nobody really paid much attention. They just talked about me as if I was something special.
1: So what and were you? So what were you soothing yourself about?
0: I don't know. I think I, I, I. Had, and I I will say up until this past year, had a self-destructive vein in me. It's funny because I've always beat myself up for every, you know, I made a lot of money as a a sales guy Mm -hmm. uh, in the tech industry. But I always beat myself up because it was always, it was always... So much trouble for me to get up and do things and and stay on task and and uh to to get married to have kids and everything just seemed so much work for me to not destroy myself, even though I stayed sober and uh, and uh I beat myself up for years and years and years and years for everything being so difficult and then sometime it was actually before my uh experience that we were talking about earlier uh i was doing some morning pages journaling and i know it wasn't for me because it because i wouldn't have never had this thought i was writing about i start my morning pages with i'm such a shit i'm such a g- piece of garbage i you know get just get that crap out right and and it ended up with no i you know god talking to me and saying i chose you because of those things not in spite of those things and by the way how badass are you that you got sober that you made a million dollars. That you actually got married and had children. That you actually, when you when you got sick and you got and you got were suicidal. What came out the other side was love and opening and relationship and a whole new career where you know I dedicated my life to uh, helping other people. Right? Like, in spite of all these things, this is where I ended up. So that was uh, um, uh, an interesting. Um, a turnaround for me to see that uh, I have no business being successful I have no business being sober I have no business being in a loving relationship or a father for that matter uh, you know because I was I was a young gay guy uh, drug addict alcoholic sex addict you know with no prospects of ever living past the age of 20 right so, so this is a miracle to be here at almost 57 years old uh, in this in
1: this state so now we're getting somewhere so <laughs> there's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> so, how old were you the first time you drank?
0: First time I drank, 12, 11.
1: Okay. Um and when did you know you were gay?
0: Uh probably about 12 or 13. And I didn't know if it was gay or not. I didn't, I, you know, I was molested as a kid. And uh, so I, I, that's, you know, I liked, I liked girls quite a bit, uh, but it just, you, that wasn't in the cards. Quite a few, quite a few traumatic things happened uh, junior high, high school. And that by the time I was a senior in high school, uh, I was, you know, I was full on in my uh, sex addiction. Okay. And-, and back then you could get in bars at 18, you know, at 17. That was easy.
1: Okay. All right. So, was there, to your recollection, was there any kind of internal conflict going on inside you between social expectations, family expectations, and your own none, sort of none, none. evolution? I
0: left. I left. I went and worked in gay bars, and uh, uh, you know, nobody. You know, my family loved me uh, as best they could, but uh, no, it was it was drinking, drugging, sex you know round the clock all day every day.
1: So what would you so it was kind of a combination of when we talk about addiction it was sex drugs rock and roll.
0: Absolutely. I and I and I had a really good time for a while. <laughs> I highly recommend 5 minutes of that. <laughs> <laughs> and if I could partake with 5 minutes of it now that'd be great. <laughs>
1: If if any of us could do five minutes, right? the minute we got it, we'd be like, "How can I take this to 15? And so on, and so on, and so on, right? Because my first thought was five minutes. Oh, wow, that'd be great escape. Could we could we extend it to fifteen? Like, right? what would no, no, it take? No. What would it take to push that to fifteen? <laughs> fifteen seems like the right amount for the break. <laughs> yeah. uh, so then, I'm curious when you're what so t- tell me a little bit about your family um how were they as far as supporting you either getting through your addiction with drugs and alcohol or you know as uh, you know, coming out as gay like what was that like for them um you know what, what was that like for them and how they support you or not support you
0: um you know they were all loving about it they all they all you know um they 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 were all pretty cool about it, but again, they're all wrapped up in their own lives and their and their own uh you know just trying to deal. You know, we we all had our addictions and our our, our things to deal with, but they've always been really cool about it. And then when I went through uh, kind of change therapy, and I wound up getting married, and uh, people were like, "Well, how'd that happen? Why? What, what is Mark doing with a woman?" And all that, that you know, then they then they were you know they were loving and awesome about that and. You know, and then, you know, years later when I was having trouble in my marriage and I decided, you know, this just isn't worth it. And I, you know, decided I was going to go back this direction. They were like, you know, they, they followed me this way. So I've been, I've been, I've been really lucky. And what's really cool is I live in, uh in, you know, just outside of Washington, DC in what looks like a small town uh, where my kids grew up and my ex-wife lives here and I live around the corner from my ex-wife and. You know, there is no perceptible gossip ever. I live with my partner around the corner from my my ex wife, and where my kids used to live. My kids have grown up, but you know, uh, I go to the same parties and all the stuff, and I'm just loved and accepted in this uh, community. My kids have never gotten any crap for the way I live my life, and it's it, I'm really I feel really blessed about that.
1: No, it sounds like uh, I don't know if you can tell. I'm digging for the trauma and you know i can't seem to find it which trauma which trauma there's plenty of trauma which trauma would you like uh, give like me some try- sh- give me some childhood trauma that the
0: trauma i was molested over and over again as a kid uh, and i spent my whole life trying to trying to deal with that right trying to trying to fix that through sex addiction the whole sex addiction was trying was trying to fix what i thought happened to me although you know, the my perception of being molested right? Uh, Not exactly what happened to me, but what I thought happened to me. And by turning the tables and choosing that, I felt like I was getting my power back. And even when it was in remission and I wasn't acting on it and I was sober and I was married with kids and all that, it still lurked in the background. I don't know how much it had to do with destroying my marriage. Uh, I have no idea what it's, But I, what I do know now is that it has, it has informed my sex life, up until very recently, where I've done a lot of work around it, my partner has, and I'm intimate for the first time in my life. Like now, I now I find intimacy and love and in in something very different and a little disorienting, to tell you the truth. You know, at 57 years old. <laughs> so yeah, what did what what did that trauma do to me? It 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 uh, screwed up sex and intimacy for me for 40 50 years, right?
1: Is that where this self-sabotage could possibly come into play, this maybe feeling of not deserving? Like, what was the, I mean, you're a coach, so I'm a, and you've done a lot of work on this. So this is, right. this is an area that is important to all of us. I mean, I, I, I'm going to speak for myself, but intimacy and my relationship with my wife, you know, um, so important. And, yeah, I didn't meet my wife, the one I currently married to till I was 42 years old. So I had all I kinds we of. Got to
0: throw in our, our current significant.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for pulling that. <laughs> Thank you for pulling my covers. <laughs> um, yeah, my wife. Right, I met her when I was forty-two years old. It took me that long of you know personal development and learning you know how to be a partner, how to be a loving, intimate, caring, you know someone who listens, someone who compromises, someone who who is not jaded and angry and bitter and, you know, constantly worried about losing the upper hand. And, you know, I, I, I did not have that loving, supportive, uh, you know, childhood growing up. You know, my dad was Latino, very machista, right? He ran the house like a fucking warden. You know what I mean, and so for for me growing up, I always thought that someday I was just going to be you know telling people how it was, you know setting the setting the order in the house, right? Kids do what I say, mom says what I say, my wife says what you know. It's like you know that I run the house, so I wasn't you know there is we all come from different different backgrounds, but I had to break all that. You know what I mean? So so and I I, I didn't go through any of that. I I wasn't molested and I wasn't I wasn't beaten like dad was not physically violent. My dad was just a wordsmith. My dad could just cut people Mm. with. He was a wordsmith. He was just tactical. It's the the best way to to, way to put it. Um, But so there was a lot of you know from what I'm getting from your story too. It's like so here's this big traumatic thing that happened to me in my life and it's taken me decades right to finally get oh, to Jack, a place yeah absolutely. yeah
0: absolutely up and up in, in fact i was pretty sure i was going to die. I, I, I had made a pact about 10 years ago with uh with god the universe with whatever that i will stay alive because i was so depressed to 10 years ago that uh that i'll i'll stay alive until my my youngest son jake graduates high school and uh just before he graduated high school i wound up in the hospital for 9 days my appendix had burst and and uh you know, I, I probably could have, or should have died. And, uh, I didn't realize until after that, that I had made that pact and I had made it in, you know, solid. Uh, so then when Jake graduated high school, I, 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 was disoriented for a couple of months realizing, Oh, I didn't really expect to be here. And now what do I do? Uh, and it was a couple of months of disorientation until freedom showed up, which was, Oh, this is all fucking gravy. I get to play. <laughs> which is which is why probably why you're having a little trouble. I have no problems talking about my trauma and being gritty about that. But what has happened since I realized that I actually should have died is I just let go of so much that it's it's joyful and it's fun and it's playful. So I forget that we're we're talking about my addictions.
1: No, <laughs> that and I feel we, it all the time. It it, it it you know. I mean, I, I have structured questions, but like I told you before, we're going to go off the. Well, we'll we'll, wherever this interview takes us, it takes us. And, you know, sometimes I just kind of like, there's this little inner dialogue that starts with me and goes, ask this question, right? So it just comes, right? So um, I'd like to know more about that because I just, I was in Miami recently. I did this this, uh, speech um, on the healing power of letting go, right? And so here's what you're talking about, exactly that. The healing power of letting go. So there was this part of you that was either what planning to kill yourself, or no, no I just thought
0: I would die. I just, just
1: thought, you know, I thought I impending was impending
0: doom. Sick and, die. and and I ended up in the hospital, but I, you know, it was it, you know it presented as an appendix, but I knew what it was.
1: Um, manifested it.
0: It just it just manifested itself. I you know I believe my my our, my thoughts, my beliefs, you know, all that stuff, manifest in this world, and that's what was manifested. You know, I was busy. I was busy destroying my finances. I was busy destroying my relationship, and I was exactly. busy destroying myself. Right, and I didn't even know it because it looked really good. My coaching practice is going great. My, you know, my relationship looks great, and all this stuff. But what I was really doing, you know, underneath the covers, was planning my exit.
1: And what did you discover?
0: I just I discovered that uh, I am more badass than uh, than any of that dark energy. And that I am here, uh, I am here to play. And I am here to play, you know, in in uh, in ways that I don't even understand. You know, I've been I've been in a I've been in a creative frenzy since the end of the summer last year. Since since I, after that disoriented period, I've been in a just a, a creative renaissance of, and that I that never even dreamed of. I'm just. I'm still writing it. You know, we were talking earlier how I didn't brush my teeth until right at right before this podcast, and it's you know four o'clock in the afternoon, and uh, because I was at my desk creating, writing, you know, editing, editing an online course that I made. Just, and I'm having a blast, uh, just seeing what can what can I get out of this 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 body, this meat bag, as as Drew calls it, uh, before it's time to go. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. But what did you let go of? Do you know what it... Do you recognize I know what, exactly wh-
0: what I let go of. I let go of Mark. I let go completely, uh, completely of Mark. Okay. I decided so that Mark talking. was no longer relevant to any of this. How Mark looks, what Mark's weight is, what Mark's income is, what Mark... What people think of Mark. Is Mark loving? Is Mark wise? Is Mark, you know, like insightful? Or like, I, I don't give a shit anymore. I just don't give a shit.
1: So... I'm no longer concerned with what other people, with what, with what other people think and I'm also not concerned with what I think.
0: Right, exactly. I just don't I've I have I have gotten to the point where I, I so don't give a shit about anything that I my heart is open and that I get to care and love and care about these things. It's really uh, it's hard to explain. But you know, I, I no longer care about what's happening with our government. I no longer care about what's happening with the environment. Right. And on the flip side of that, I do care. I'm in tune. I feel like it's just it's a dichotomy that's hard to put into words.
1: No, it makes I no
0: longer carry the heaviness of it all. Right, I'm no longer judge, jury, and I don't know what's right, wrong, good, bad. I've you know what the Buddhists call, you know, about, you know, there's you know, everything is inherently neutral. I get it. (laughs) And there's things I decide to care about. Right. I decide to care about the dolphins being clubbed in Japan. Like I decide to care about these things because that's what's fun. I decide to care about my children. Right. I decide to parent hard. Right. And I know it doesn't it doesn't really fucking matter because they're they're meatbags, too. (laughs) (laughs) It sounds callous, but my kids are meatbags, too.
1: We are all in this meat suit. Right. we 're all in this meat suit, um, doing the best we can right and and the whole idea is to experience it's it 's a journey we 're here to experience it so the more things that you know get put in our put in put in our way, any obstacle any challenge, um, anything beautiful anything uh, any opportunity for growth and contribution and love and pain and suffering and all of it is part of the experience. And it's so funny. I
0: was, I, was talking to, I was talking to a psychic, uh, Shoshana French. She's amazing. Uh she um we were talking, and I said, I said, Shoshana, I just need to know my per my purpose. I need to know my mission. If I knew my purpose and mission, then everything would be okay. She goes, What the fuck are you talking about? You don't you don't have a purpose or mission. God doesn't give a shit what you do. I was like, huh? She goes, he doesn't care. What do you want to do? I was like, that was, that was one of the first times I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this, you know, there, there isn't this heavy like, oh, when, once I find out why I was born, you know why I was born? Because I was born.
1: <laughs>
0: that's it. <laughs> Everything else is, what do I want to do? And that's when it becomes really light.
1: I like this. I like this. Right, And this is what's so fun about this space, the coaching space, the personal development space, the woo-woo space, the wellness space, whatever you want to call it. There are no fucking rules, man. Like you, there are none. I can agree and disagree with you and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's what's important to me and what's important, like... What's important to me here? What's important to you over there? It's just a, a beautiful exchange of ideas without having to convince somebody else, wait a minute. You know, are you sure about that? It doesn't matter. Of course I'm sure about that. It's what I believe. It's true if I believe it is. So I'm loving this conversation, Mark. I love, you know, how we're <laughs> just, you know, like all over the place, but at the same time, it, It truly makes sense, and it also kind of takes a lot of pressure off, man. You know, what is my purpose? What is my mission? What am I supposed to be here? You know, it's like you're supposed to be happy and enjoying, and and like, what do you want to do? What what inspires you? No, no. the, The good thing about this conversation
0: is there's work to be done in order to find what I truly want to do. Because again, I think being I have an I think I have an advantage being an addict. And an, and, you know, an alcoholic and a drug addict. I get that this, you know, I, I remember my first AA meeting, my first AA meeting, I walked in and this woman raises her hand and she goes, I'm so-and-so and I'm an alcoholic and I'm worthless. And I, you know, this, this, I just, you know, like I'm just a piece of shit and I just have to give up to a higher power and all that. I'm like, what is this? I'm not staying here. And now I get it. Like, all I want to do is eat sugar, have sex, watch Netflix. Like I want to like, I finally get that this, like, I want to spend money. I want I finally get that this thing isn't looking out for my best interest mm. so look elsewhere. Right. So I find deeper. What do I want? And what I really want is love connection, legacy, right? Those deeper things. Uh, I, in fact, I write my desires, uh, it's an exercise that I give my clients, uh, is to write your desires, and then what's underneath that? And then what's underneath that? So every morning I write my desires, and my desires went from like a Chevy Blazer, <laughs> with the new Chevy Blazer, which is really hot because my lease is up on my Audi. Uh, uh, you know, see, I'm still materialistic, um, but so, but I, but I look under, and I, and every morning I find five, six, or seven desires. And now they're all about, I just want to be connected to the infinite. I just want to see through the veil. I want my, uh, my experience to be abiding rather than, you know, flashing in and out. Um, you know, I, 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 I want, uh, love and, and, and sex and fun in my relationship since I'm here and in one. Right. Uh, and I, and I, and my wants have changed so that I can trust them. Right. So, so yes, I follow my desires. Yes, what do I want? But now I can trust them that they're not going to lead me this meat bag, to destruction. And by the way, if it, they lead my, this this bag to destruction, that doesn't matter either. It it just you know like I just don't believe that God the universe really gives a shit because we just we're 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 like flashes. We're here. We're gone. We're here. We're gone. None none of this is none of this is permanent. It, it's, for me, I want to I have as much impact and as much fun. And I want, I want you know, whenever, whenever I, this wave goes back into the ocean, you know, if I get to, if I get to brag, I want to say, hey, by the way, I beat the fucking addiction and I actually did some good.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, inadvertently, there is a higher purpose, Mark. I know. Fuck.
0: What, only because it's more fun. It's more fun for me to think that way. You're not going to trap me into that. <laughs> more fun for me to think that there's there's something you know there's something about this love thing every time i I have to tell you when i feel love Uh i feel joyous when i feel love not when i feel loved when i feel love and i'm looking for that i want to walk around feeling love all the time why selfishly i feel like a million bucks when i love you I don't really give a shit about you. I just want to feel like a million bucks. So I'm going to love the shit out of you.
1: Yeah. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, everything that we, everything that we seek, ultimately all, all roads lead to love and connection.
0: I believe that I, every I've followed I mean, every this... thread with every client, with every person, with every, and it all leads to love connection, worthiness, you know, peace. legacy, like, you know, all that stuff.
1: Yeah, every, so, every single thread Yeah, we could can, we can sit here all day and jerk each other off about what the fuck we feel is my path, my thoughts my beliefs, what I coach how I coach, what I got down to all this work you did at the end of the day was like I recognize in myself that what matters the most to me is love and connection my family is the most important thing in my life having breakfast yesterday with my 16 year old daughter just the two of us and having a conversation that was like so spontaneous and so out of the blue, but what brought us together on a 10 X level, right? Love and connection. And that was it.
0: Mm, Beautiful.
1: You know, that's what, you know, when I, when I think about at the end of the day, at the end of the day, right. All this stuff that I do, Right. One of my goals is always, you know, to provide a luxurious lifestyle for my family. Whatever that means. That's why I said luxurious. Whatever that means. Because everyone has a different idea of what luxurious means. But we have a current currently four we four
0: seasons Maui, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I have I, I have my definition since we're gonna define things. Four seasons Maui. Definition of luxury.
1: I'm writing that down. All right. Four seasons Costa Rica and Guanacaste is pretty badass. Just just saying. In case you wanted to shift it up
0: actually the four, four seasons in philadelphia if you don't go outside is paradise wow,
1: <laughs> four, seasons, wow. four seasons anywhere is <laughs> that's what i was about to say if you don't leave you know you're good all right so listen i i really appreciate where this is going mark all right and you know, actually, I even like you kind of fighting me a little bit. It's kind of it's been fun. Can't, so can't. I've been waiting for you to kick me off the podcast. <laughs> no, I can't wait till I'm on yours. <laughs> That's that'll, that'll, all I'm that'll thinking. Be next, that'll be next week. I want to let him have it. So um, here's what I want to know. This is more on the coaching side, right? Like when I'm coaching people, there is these. There's the limiting beliefs. Okay, so I can't do this because. I'll be happy once I do this, once I get here. Um, There are these learned patterns of thinking, programming that we get, right? So what is it, what are your, um, what were the stories that you used to tell yourself, your biggest limiting beliefs, and what is it that you believe now?
0: So my biggest limiting belief now, which still rears its head, is the only way I'm going to get people to care for me is if I stay small and cute and lovable.
1: Ooh! Wow.
0: And the two, and the other one that goes with that is, if I if I actually focus and work on, if I if I focus on my work, my and the things that I need to do, I'm going to get old and sick and die.
1: Wow. Okay. All right. And w- so, this in is- other
0: words, if I stay Peter Pan, if I stay young and I don't get attached to anything and I just kind of flit around, then I get to stay young and cute, and which means I get to be loved and cared for.
1: Well, not for nothing, but you're 57 years old, and I would have never guessed you were 57 years old. You know, you are pretty cute, you know, so you got the little sweater going on over there. So I'm looking across. It's actually I'm
0: like, chilly. It's actually chilly No, here. but I
1: mean, I mean, it's like, I'm like 57 years old, really? Right? And then you say this, if I stay small, cute, and lovable, I'm like, I see it. So you have a strong power to manifest, Mister Peter
0: Pan. So, so the so the p- the piece with that is what I what I what I realized. You know, I was the baby of the family, molested. You know, and, uh, mm. and in, order, in order to get molested and get attention from that person, uh, I I needed to surrender and I needed to be um, passive, right? So in order to uh, in order to in my family of origin, in order not to get um, in the way of things, I needed to stay. Cute and lovable and all that stuff. What I what happened is uh, once I got sober, once uh, I started raising a family of my of my own, uh, I became the kind of the hyper responsible person in my family. So when my parents died, I took care of my parents. I paid for things for them, like I I started giving money. I started paying people's mortgages. I you know I did all kinds of stuff because I was successful, and I became uh, the hyper responsible person. And in my perception was. People took from me when I was big, people, people needed and wanted from me when I was big and nobody realized, cause inside I was small and everything was hard, you know, being a high tech sales guy, but I'm a sensitive guy, but I, you know, I'm in the, I'm in the shark infested waters of uh, monthly 1000000 dollar sales. Um, so I, for me, the, the, oh my God, I have to get small. So I had to cra- you know, I crashed mm. and burned every once in a while. So people would care about me. They would take care of me. They would be kind to me. And it was, you know, it's only it's only the last uh, decade, the last five, probably the last five six years since my last crash, uh, when my marriage broke up, that I that I start to see that, and I start to see that limiting belief that oh, I need to crash and burn in order to get people to care about me. Is now I know how to ask people to care about me. I know how to ask my partner. Look, I need to put my head in your lap. I need to I need to just be small and weak. It's you know like i i it's unsustainable for me like to ask for help to you know to tell my ex-wife you know i gave my ex-wife quite a bit of money every month uh i overcompensated because i'm over responsible right uh and i and basically i drained myself in order to take care of my family because i promised i would take care of my family and uh now i can't give her that you know that money that we agreed upon and to to say to her look i need help now i you know my business is Robust, but you know I spent a f- number of years building it and still paying everybody's bills, and now I need a break. You know to, that was death to me. You know again to to Mark to Mark's ego to Marks uh, to how Marks is seen in the world, and to actually say to her, "Look, I can't do this," and then what hurt even more it was like a knife through my heart when she said, "I trust you. You've been generous to me. I'm good. I could cry now." She said, "I you've been wonderful to me." thank you, whatever you need like to let her be good be, you know, I wasn't the martyr you know, was, was actually painful to allow someone to care for me like that and so now to have it as, as I'm not bad, I'm not small, I'm not crash and burn, I just need help like any other human being is really a, a, it's growth for me, that's moving through that limiting belief
1: Wow that was beautiful man Beautiful. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah. So what is it that you believe today?
0: Oh, yeah, (laughs) we're going back to the beginning of this conversation. I just, what I believe today is that nothing fucking matters that I, that every day, uh, every moment I'm creating, uh, and I create, uh, relationship. I create business. I create, um, uh, legacy you know i just create what do i want to you know i ask myself in every moment what is it that i want to create in this podcast what do i want to create i want to create value for anybody who's listening to me right and that's that's what i do all day every day what do i want to create now where you know, in this situation do i want to create strife sometimes i want to create strife right like uh i, uh, I had a, a little little fight with my son um he wanted to go join the idf he just got back from israel and now he's all romanticizing the IDF. He wanted want to go join the idf so, uh, spiritual Mark didn't show up. Dad Mark showed up. I burst into tears and I said, no fucking way. You're not going to fight somebody else's war, by the way. You know, like, and I just, I just laid into him cause I got scared. Right. Um, but what I realized, you know, now, you know, it, it is, I lost my train of thought. Once I started thinking about my son, like that, uh, that gets me. Um,
1: dude, I love you talking about your family. It's like a different mark. Yeah. Dude, it's 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 like I got a little thing going on over here, man, cuz I'm a dad too, man. You know, like when I got to put my dad pants on, sometimes I have a hard time doing that cuz I just feel too much.
0: Yeah. No, my son, my son, you know, my sons are, you know, my sons are the way to, are, are the way to this meatbag's heart.
1: Yes. Yes. Yeah, I I man, I get this. You know, do you feel like when it comes to this whole idea of now asking for help, like talking to your ex-wife and, and becoming vulnerable and talking to your partner and being vulnerable and asking for help um, and taking that role, do you feel deserving of that now?
0: Deserving. That's, uh, that word, that word I don't know, that word doesn't compute, but do I feel that it's it can... Worthy um, in relationship, I, I don't know what the word to use is, but yes, I, I most of the time it still goes down uh, rough. It's not. I, I am more comfortable in okay. the given role. Right? Comfortable, I'm more, comfortable. I'm more comfortable. It's uncomfortable for me to receive.
1: Still, so in and. Like, let's just take this as if we're talking about if, if if, if we've each have a client, right? So, and they're going through this phase in their life, right? So, it's sometimes I can't go from, you know, feeling depressed or miserable or lethargic, whatever, to feeling, you know, ecstatic and, you know, happy and joyous. So, how do we meet in the middle somewhere, you know, what's, what's the word that's going to make you feel okay with moving towards versus away from, you know, in, in, in this, and uh, when we're talking about, and however you want to paint it, I'm afraid to use a word, right? But, but, you know, if we were talking about feeling deserving, well, I don't know, I don't know if I like that word, what word would you like?
0: Yeah, so like, it's not that I like the word, it's just, I don't know if that word computed for me. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, again, I'm not comfortable, the word is I'm not comfortable. that. Uh, I, it just it, it's, it's almost painful for to allow uh, to be cared for uh, I want it I crave it I'm kind of like one of those cats who are like pet me pet me don't pet me pet me um, uh, but I'm getting better at it
1: okay I love I'm getting it getting
0: much better at
1: it all right good man good man all right so here's one of my favorites from Tony Robbins so Tony Robbins talks about if you want to take the island You have to burn the boats. Have you ever heard that one? Sure. Okay. So there's that moment in our lives where we have to draw that, where we do, or some of us do, draw that line in the sand where we say, not one more day, not one more hour, not one more minute. I'm not going to tolerate this in my life anymore. What was that moment for you?
0: Oh, you know, well, what was that? That moment for me was uh, when... Wow, I've had it. I've had it several times. I, the first time was when I went to Hawaii with Alan Cohen for my first coach training, and I fell in love with myself and I found my heart for the first time. Uh, and I remember I didn't want to leave the island because I didn't want to go back to the real world. I was still a high tech sales guy, and uh, I didn't want to go back to hating myself. I want. I never wanted to lose my heart. So before I left Hawaii, I said uh, I will never, ever, ever lose my heart again because i found it for the first time and you know whenever um the next time that that happened (laughs) was uh when uh i was it was actually last year when uh mark faded away and i said i will never ever ever believe this again and hate myself i will never fall into that trap of thinking that Mark is who I am ever again. Um, and the interesting thing was in my mastermind last Friday, uh, they were they, they were pushing me to do you know some sales stuff for my business that I just didn't feel like doing. And also with my workouts. So my, my workouts and my sales uh, seemed to be linked. And um, I just didn't, I wasn't sure that I want, oh, I, they wanted me to commit to something. And I said, I'm not going to commit because I don't know that I'm going to do it. And I don't want to commit to something that I'm really not, a, you know, that's not a line in the sand. They were trying to get me to see that you could commit and fail and then recommit. And I, I remember yelling at them and saying, I am not going to do something that's going to make me hate myself again. I am never, ever, ever going to hate myself again. Uh, and, uh, you, know, that was a, you know, that was the line in the sand. I never, ever, ever want to be in prison ever again. Which, by the way, once I say that, that's a prison. If I never, ever want to be in prison again, I just put myself in prison. It took me a couple of days to wake up to that one like, oh, shit, that's the prison. I need to be willing to go back to prison and know that that doesn't mean anything. And so there was another level of freedom there.
1: (laughs) Wow, dude.
0: (laughs) Every every, every line in the sand is another prison. And and no fucking way am I going to get trapped with that one.
1: (laughs) I got to write that one down. Every line in the sand is another prison. Ooh, I like that. Listeners, unpack that one. All right. So tell us about, because this is kind of similar, but. I don't know, you tell me if it is or it isn't. Tell us about an aha moment in your life when you realized that, you're, that you were turning it all around.
0: Oh, that's great. Uh, so, so when I was depressed, when, I, when my marriage broke up and I was really sick and I was depressed uh, and I thought I was going to die and I'd, I'd, um, it, was really, it was really bad. I couldn't sell anything and things were just going to shit and I, used to, I, I was walking around my apartment every night in fact, I used to go out into my town and I'd walk at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning because I, I was having panic attacks and I couldn't, I couldn't deal. Uh, I made the decision that I'm gonna die, if I'm going to die, a uh, lot, lot of theme here with this meatpack, uh, is I'm going to leave a legacy. So I need to leave money for my ex-wife and kids. So I'm going to make a million dollars. I'm going to run the Marine Corps Marathon. I'm going to give $60,000 to charity to make up for what a shit I am. Uh, so I, I wound up doing all those things. And the aha moment was after I ran the Marine Corps Marathon, after I made the million dollars, after I gave all that money to charity, I was the healthiest I had ever been. I was successful again, right? And uh, I, uh, I didn't die. <laughs> and that was, that was an aha moment. Like, huh, now what? <laughs> <laughs> so I bought a Lexus convertible. rebirth <laughs> <laughs> a and, sonic blue lexus convertible dude, and the cool. aha moment that was there was like i could allow myself to have those because up until that point when i lived in my apartment i had all our old silverware i had seven dollar ikea tables all that stuff so when my ex-wife was like go buy yourself that car you deserve it you work your ass off right when i bought that car it was like huh I get, to, I get to be on the list, too.
1: Oh, wow. Wow. That's pretty powerful. I get to be on the list, too. Man, I can't tell you how many times I have asked that question. Hmm. When do you get to be on the list?
0: Right? Right. Alan Cohen, actually, in, in, his, in his book, Relax into Wealth, he, uh, he said, um, what if you treated yourself the way you treat everybody that you love? and i was like huh what what are you say what are those words on the page yep and then it occurred to me like treat myself like everybody i love i'm not even on the list
1: mm.
0: right i don't count and uh, and that was that was a that was another aha moment that's why i went to hawaii to meet with him cuz it was uh, it was the turning point
1: wow wow incredible all right so mark if incredible interview, man, like we, we, we did dip and dive. So after this interview, if our, if my listeners want to reach out to you, what is the best way for them to find you?
0: Uh, Mark J Silverman.com. Mark, the letter J Silverman.com. Everything is there. My beautiful new website.
1: It is nice. Uh, it's beautiful.
0: Uh, that uh, that I'm, I'm really actually so proud of. Uh, Finally, after all these years, being able to express what it is I'm doing, uh, the Mastering Midlife Podcast. Uh, We are at uh, episode 56 now, and uh, yeah, those are the places where you can where you can find me.
1: Yeah, and I will be on Mark's podcast very soon as well, so look out for that one. I'll let you guys know. I'll let you guys know. So, Mark, um, any favorite books you would recommend to our listeners?
0: Whew. it you know it all depends on where you are in life right now I'm reading uh, the way of tra- the way, uh excuse me the way of mastery uh, by Shanti Cristo and uh, it's uh, it's another mind blowing foray into non duality this isn't mm. real you know uh, we're all connected kind of stuff
1: Beautiful uh, what and- about your book Excuse me what about your book
0: my book, Only Tens: How to how to, uh, how to Use Distraction to Get the Right Things Done. It's a really easy read uh, for me. For you know, it's 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 kind of a uh, time mastery book, but it's also for me. My it was my journey into actually learning to set boundaries, to have difficult conversations, to actually ask for what I want, to uh, to to stand up and count, so that I could focus on the things that I wanted so much of my ADD is about people pleasing and putting everybody else's agendas first. How, so I may, I, I, I built these workshops around this is, you know, everybody says you should set a boundary, but how do you actually do that? You should have these tough conversations. How do you actually do that? Right. So that's, that's what, you know, in the book, it's, it's from the point of view of, uh, I wrote it for myself, right? It sold 55,000 copies. I wrote it just for myself. I thought I would buy it and maybe some friends, um, and it, it was basically for me to learn how to pay attention to what's important to me and actually go do those things. Uh, give me the name again. Only 10s. Uh, how to use distraction to get the right things done. A homage to my uh, lovely label of ADD.
1: I love it, man. I love it. That is... I, Dude. All right. It's for the me. The
0: new book will be uh, Mastering Midlife, How to Thrive When the World Asks the Most of You. That's coming? That's coming.
1: Okay all right beautiful what are your three most powerful I am statements
0: that's great uh, so so for me I am is you know basically enough uh, because anything after I am is pretty much made up and a lie. But since I'm creating and making things up all the time, my I am statements really do matter. I actually have a manifesto that I rewrite every couple of weeks and I read constantly. And basically, you know, I am the creator of my world. I am the creator. I, you know, I am that my partner is loving and fun and this and that. I am that my children are responsible. So I write I am statements all day long. But my favorite one is basically, you know, I am the creator of everything that I experience.
1: Beautiful. And I leave it
0: there, and then, every, then everything else is fungible.
1: Excellent, excellent. All right, what is your personal success formula or blueprint for success?
0: Oh God, I'm a success coach, and I don't even have one. <laughs> uh, so, you know, for you know, for, for for me, it's it's uh, learning. You know, the, the steps are learning about myself, and part of learning about myself. Is uh, you know who I am, where I came from, what it, what's what's happening now, what is the story I'm living in now, and what do I want to create? Then once I figure out what I want to create, what are the steps I need to do to go create those? What's in the way and get rid of those, uh, you know, get those out of the way, and then play. Uh, I would used to it used to be all right. Now let's get rid of everything that's superfluous and let's get let's get on this thing. And now it's let's play, let's have a good time. Uh, Because I'll get so much more done. I'll create so much more uh, and be able to experience that success if I just learn to play. And playing could be hard. You know, if you're on the soccer field and you want to win, you can play hard. It's just, do you leave it on the soccer field when you walk off is the question.
1: Yes. And also, does the the idea of celebration kind of play into that as well? Like celebrating... I don't know a piece of content you did or something Oh like every
0: it. every 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 time I every time I ha- I sign a new client or uh get a check I actually go out and buy myself a trinket.
1: Okay. Okay. I,
0: I, and I keep those I keep those in mind like I uh, oh there's a watch I want. I am uh I am uh I am absolutely material I like toys.
1: Okay. Okay. Beautiful. Um I do the same just listeners like If I, whatever it is, like you said, get a new client or land a speaking engagement, it's like, okay, honey, we're going to go celebrate, right? And we just kind of, like, build that into our DNA, like, into the tissues. Like, the body is just, like, wanting to do something to be worthy of celebration. So, I can't, you know, I can't wait to celebrate kind of an idea. So, um, I I feel it's hugely beneficial and it works, at least it works mm, for me.
0: Totally, especially, right. especially if, especially for me, if the toy is something I really want.
1: Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? Like, actually, the bigger the toy, the, you know, sometimes the bigger the the goal we can put out there. Kind of like, I don't know, offsets it. Like, okay, well, if it's going to be this big win or this big celebration, then I'm going to swing for the fences. Let's go. Let's go here. Let's get this accomplished. Um, I think that if we do not do that, I personally believe you, we, you get stuck in a rut and you get to a point where you ask yourself, what's this all for? Like, what's the point? And if you're there, it's because you're not celebrating your accomplishments, your wins, no matter how big or small. Um, that's I hear,
0: I hear that from a lot of people who are in recovery from addiction. You know, uh, again, why, why be sober if it's not fun? Right. Uh, yeah. That's a two edged sword because sometimes it's not going to be fun. So grow up and put your big boy pants on. Yes. But on the other hand, Uh, yeah really why why stick around even on this earth if it's not fun uh but that's from this perspective now because i'm having such a good time right (laughs) (laughs) me too and i still have the same i still have challenges i still have pain in my body i still have financial challenges i still have all those things but they just don't fucking matter to me anymore
1: (laughs) (laughs) all right so what is the best advice or suggestion you have ever received
0: Best advice I have ever received. Uh, oh, is is really stop taking yourself so seriously? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I've he- I've heard that over and over and over mm-hmm. and over for years and years and decades. When I finally got what it meant, what they meant by that, that turns out to be the best fucking advice I ever got. In hindsight, stop taking myself so seriously. I didn't know how to do that. Once I stopped taking myself seriously, so seriously, it's like. Why didn't I do that earlier? So what does it mean? Freedom. Oof. It means that that, that uh, Mark, uh, how he looks, how he acts, what <sighs> he's thought of, what, all that stuff, doesn't fucking matter. I'm going to die. You're going to die. Nobody gives a shit.
1: <laughs> oh, man, it's so true. It's so true, right? I may not be much, but I'm all I think about. Have you heard that one before? Yes, I have. (laughs) All right. What is one piece of parting wisdom that you would like to share with our listeners? Stop taking
0: yourself so fucking seriously. (laughs) You're going to die. You're not getting out of this alive. Plus, all the people who are judging you and care about you, they're going to die too. So they don't care. It really doesn't fucking matter. Have fun. Let it go. God damn, let it go. That's honest to God. That is my mantra. It's just not that important.
1: And we just had a drop the mic moment. With that, we close. Thank you, Mark, for joining us.
0: Omar, I love you. I appreciate it. I can't wait to turn the tables on you.
1: Let me have it. I'm ready. (laughs) Somehow I feel like (laughs) you're going to turn the tables on me. (laughs) I promise. I promise. I fall in line. I fall in line. Anyway, Mark, it's been it's really (laughs) I don't know if I can, dude. (laughs) It's just me all the time. (laughs) All right, folks, we've now reached the end of our show. Thanks for joining us. And as we say here in Costa Rica, pura vida.
0: Pura vida.
1: Thank you for joining us today on the Recovery Revolution podcast. For more information about the podcast, to access the show notes, join us in the Recovery Revolution, or to learn about one-on-one coaching with me, then go to www.omarpinto.com. Make sure to check out the website or schedule a free consultation with me today. It's time to join the Recovery Revolution.